An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top performing repair shops use, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me blows up your phones with a strategic combination of killer websites, high converting Google ads, traffic driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Conversations that are inspiring and educational for leaders in the automotive industry. This is Near Me Radio. Now, here's your host, Ryan Burton. Welcome to Near Me Radio, a podcast for automotive professionals. My name is Ryan Burton. We are pleased to welcome today Sunil Patel. Sunil is the CEO and founder of Techmetric a shop management software, a company he founded in 2016. Prior to Techmetrics, Sunil spent time in auto repair as the owner of Motorworks Auto Group, a luxury auto repair shop that he ran for 11 years. He also spent time outside of auto repair, studying medicine in his early years and also working as a sergeant with Harris County Sheriff's Office. Today, we're gonna to focus on leadership with Sunil and maybe maybe some tips on how we can stay out of jail and even stay healthy based on all this background. So, Sunil, welcome to Near Me Radio. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, looking forward to what we're gonna to cover today. Nice, and I'm really appreciative that, uh, that you're here. And we're gonna discuss the medicine legal background. I mean, I, you know, Holy smokes, there's some paths we can take here. You've lived about three lives already, it looks like, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you can say that. <laughs> or maybe more. <laughs> I want to start with something that I picked up doing a little bit of research, um, and it has to do with the first and one of the early cars you worked on, a 1978 Ford Zephyr, mm -hmm. okay? Because I saw this, and that was one of the first cars you kind of fiddled with as a youngster. Is that correct? That is correct. So the Zephyr was when, so I was a twin when I was oh. born uh, with my sister, my dad decided to get, and this was in 1978, I was born yeah. in 78. And so uh, when my dad uh, decided like, hey, look, we've got twins in the family, we need to get a new reliable car, he decided to get the 78 Zephyr station wagon. Now, did you ever drive this car? A lot. And, and without a license, totally underage. My neighbors would always yell at me like, you're not supposed to do that. So yes. Okay. The reason there's another reason I asked this, the first car that I drove, the first mm -hmm. license, when I got my license at 16, I backed out of the driveway. I think it was like you two with or with, it's either you two with or without you or every breath you take by the police. It was like one of these two songs that kind of sounded like that. And I was in a 1980 Ford Zephyr station wagon. Was yours a station wagon? It was a station wagon. The wood I can even panels? tell you the song. Right. What's wood that? panels on the side. I can even tell you the song that was playing, Ryan. So it was Stacy Q, Two of Hearts. Do, okay, at least mine was. Do you think that's a good song, Sunil? Do you like that? Okay. <laughs> <It> I, <was> <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to pick on the song. I will let the listeners yeah. decide. We'll let them have their opinions about the song. But, but that's awesome. So you remember that too. But we used to have, I remember when I was like 16 or 17, like the seatbelt laws were not quite as strict back in those days. And I remember we would pass like 10 people into this station wagon and 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 drive around the am radio is it pretty much the same right. thing 
same thing with the push button memory thing that you got to pull out to set the memory and yeah it, it did have power windows and cruise no did you because ours were the the roll-up windows i didn't have power windows no. man so you you were swanky you had a higher end <laughs> zephyr back in the day all right yeah okay so you grew up in california tell me a little bit about your your upbringing and and your background there what was that like so grew up in a small town slightly north of San Diego called Escondido, California. It's kind of all meshed together just because of the way California has grown. But um, I was born in, born near there, pretty much raised most of my life in Southern California up until the age of about 15 when we moved to Amarillo, Texas. Nice. Nice, nice. And, uh, and you graduated from medical school in Texas. Should I be calling you? Are you a doctor? Is it doctor? I mean, w w tell me about this medical background, because that's pretty crazy. So, <clears throat> I, I went overseas. So I wanted to skip a lot of the um, undergrad. And so what I did was as soon as I essentially graduated high school, I, so I accelerated. Uh, my high school had a three-year program for high school instead of four. So I did the three-year program for high school. And then I went to one year of college at Texas Tech University. I'm like, this is taking too long. And so I decided to go overseas because in the medical schools overseas, you go straight from high school to medical school. Uh, I decided to finish med school overseas, came back to the U.S., gave my board exams and um, didn't really like medicine, to be honest with you. My wife and I, I met my wife in med school as well. Uh, she continued down her career path of being an infectious disease doctor. I decided like, it's not for me. I, even though I finished med school, um, I wanted to do something different. And when I took my vehicle in for an alignment at a repair shop in uh, Commerce Township in Michigan, which is one of the suburbs of Detroit, I met a guy there that used to be a physician and decided to open his own repair shop. And that was the genesis of me moving into a completely different realm outside of medicine. And that was the end of medicine for me. Interesting. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time in marketing, in medicine and auto repair, there's a lot of similarities, right? I mean, it's like, the, uh, you know, auto repair or medicine is auto repair for the body, I think is how I say it. There's a lot of kind of crossover. So that's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about tech metrics. So uh, however much you're comfortable saying, but how big is tech metric now? How many employees? I mean, what, what is this thing grown into now? Because you guys have really blown up. Um. So we, I believe today we are the largest cloud-based shop management system out there. We are at about 101 employees. And what I'm really proud of is the size of our company and the efficiency that we've been able to get to where we are with the number of people on staff. So yeah, I'm really happy uh, with where we are today. Okay. And this is kind of a general question, but tell me how things are going with Techmetric. You know, what's some of the challenges you're having now and kind of where things are at and what's going on over there? So I'm going to answer my question a little bit based on leadership also, mm -hmm. uh, because that happens to be our topic. So we are in a phenomenal spot in our company. And what I mean by that is there's just so much opportunity out there to be able to get more and more repair shops to use high quality products for operating their businesses. And it just happens to be this unique time in our lives where on-prem systems, uh, like the old server-based systems are kind of going out the door. Hybrid systems, meaning systems that have a database in the cloud with a shop management system installed locally are also really not that great uh, just because it's older tech. 
uh, cloud-based systems are the new norm for independent auto repair. Now, we also have a lot of uh, large franchises or chains that use our program as well. But this is just a phenomenal time in our industry. Now, as far as challenges, to your point that you were asking earlier, Ryan, um, I think some of the biggest challenges for me specifically are ensuring that we have the right people in the seats to elevate our company even further. And that means that as we continue to scale, some people are going to be able to pivot and shift and be able to uh, gain the skills that they need and have that forward-thinking vision to continue improving themselves, having that growth mindset. But some people just can't do it. It's not they, they like staying small. They like staying in what was fun initially, um, you know, being a smaller company. You know, as you continue to grow, you start having processes in place. You start implementing uh, certain procedures and stuff. And it's not for everybody. And so the hardest decision for me or challenge for me always is making sure that our leadership team is up to snuff on, you know, battling the next challenge that we have coming up. It's interesting, you know, as you develop as a company, you know, the old adage of what got us here won't get us there. You know, you're a new company at all these different phases. So, you know, it's just it's just a different place to work for your employees every couple of years, right? So there's that constant change. And, uh, and, and, you know, we always hope that they can get up to speed with that. But let's talk about hiring and bringing people in. You know, sure. recruitment and hiring is a challenge. You know, I, I don't want to get in. Maybe we can get into the tech situation, but that's not necessarily what I'm asking. I'm just talking more philosophically. You know, Google ta- has, you know, 10 interviews before they hire you. They talk about, you know, imagine you've got to take a plane ride for eight hours sitting beside this person. I mean, what are some of the tech metric hiring philosophies? How do you approach this? Again, without, you know, if divul- divulge anything you don't want to here, but talk about your hiring philosophies because you just talked about people being on the, you know, the right people on the bus to where you want to go. Tell me about hiring philosophies and how you approach that, Sunil. So when we were a much smaller company, it was easy to hire people like, hey, who do you know? Do they want a job? Let's go. But as we've grown, it's more and more difficult to find amazing talent in some of the areas that we need. And what we're asking for is, like, let me talk about leadership for a second. So anybody who's in a position of leadership with management of people, we always scorecard our employees moving forward since about one year now. And what that means is um, what we're trying to avoid is hiring somebody for a position based on a resume or a, a brief interview, and then they work for you and they're like, that's not exactly what we were thinking or that's not how... I expected that person to operate or, you know, you're trying to basically uncover some of the deficiencies in someone's skill set during a scorecarding process. And it's a multi-step process. There's five major categories in that scorecard that we tried to nail down. We also have a culture fit interview, which is very important for our company. Uh, And so there's, we too, although not a 10 step process for interviews, we do have a pretty lengthy interview process. I'll give you an example. Uh, David Weiner came in from a, he's our chief revenue officer. He came in from uh, one of the hiring firms that we were using to find a chief revenue officer. It took us almost eight eight months or so to find David. And we went through probably 12 to 15 different candidates and they just didn't hit the mark. And like David hit the mark on everywhere we wanted to go uh, or everything we wanted to do as far as a company, uh, the culture fit, like everything was just 
ripe for David. And so David's been with us for 60 days. We're really excited to have him on board. Nice. Are you using any assessments? And, and it's funny because I'm about to ask you this, and I've never talked to our shops about this, but are you using Colby assessments or anything to to look at uh, you know, what somebody has a propensity for or things like that? And, and, and further, do you know of shops doing things like that? Are they doing any testing? No. So, I mean, we've done assessments like that. Like I had to take an assessment like that uh, a few years ago, but outside of that, we haven't used that for our hiring um, uh, in the company. Moving forward, probably, you know, next year, that's something I can envision us doing uh, as we continue to have, you know, hire top talent in the company. Uh, so that's something that I can foresee us doing uh, in the future. So we have a pretty diverse background. I don't know if we want to speak on that, but we've got uh, enterprise data security, which is similar to your world now, I imagine, but sergeant with Harris County Sheriff's Office, shop owner, medical background and interest. I mean, you know, I think we all have diverse backgrounds, but if we were having an, uh, uh, an argument and who wins it, I mean, that's pretty diverse. So tell, tell me about how that plays into what you've become now as a person and a leader. So when I think about all of the different careers I've had in the past, uh, like, like the medical career on how, how medicine approaches dealing with patients and people, I took some of that and used that in my repair shop call it like we had morning rounds when I was doing rotations at Baylor, you would go bed to bed and you would have a group of people. We would do that with vehicles, go to car to car and you go over tough to diagnose issues. One of the things with technicians is that um, egos will not allow them to go ask for help. And so we wanted to break that down and let's just go over each vehicle and let's see where people are stuck on diagnosing and maybe somebody else can add some additional color. With the law enforcement side, I had an 11-year career in law enforcement here in Houston, Harris County. And what that allowed me to do is understand people a little differently because you meet so many different types of people from all walks of life. And what that allowed me to do is um, when I'm dealing with employees, understanding personal issues and problems that are getting in the way of them working in a company like ours, I've kind of taken a fusion of everything that I've done in the past to build this company. And so as we continue growing and growing, I also have to keep in mind the cultural aspect of our company, the fundamentals that we have, the values that we have, and ensure that people feel inclusive here working for us. And like, it doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is. At the end of the day, I just want amazing people to work for a company. Nice. Now, there's an expression that says many are picked, few are chosen, right? I would say Techmetrics been chosen. You guys are, are, you know, really things are going very well, right? What, what do you feel like the tipping point was? What do you feel like the moment, you know, the moment that things kind of went over that, that hump and really started taking off for you guys? You know, if, I don't know if I'm ever going to be comfortable with knowing that we're past the tipping point. Like I always <laughs> am holding like I always I, I think most of our leadership team is pretty uh, competitive and we're not OK uh, knowing that, you know, we're not going to be able to get into another vertical or another area or or we're not going to be able to have this customer come uh, use our product. And so. I don't know if we're ever going to be past a tipping point, to be honest with you. We do continue scaling and growing, and 
We're selling more rooftops than we've ever sold uh, in the history of our company. And I, I, I see that it's going to continue increasing month over month. And we just want to continue delivering amazing products for our users. You know, what's funny is uh, um, you've kind of answered that question without realizing you answered it. So you're like any other business owner, leader, uh, paranoid and concerned and never fully satisfied and worried. So we can see even with Techmetric uh, and as we all look at our businesses that Sunil is no different. Would that be a fair assessment? That's a fair assessment, Ryan. You're exactly the same as all of it, which is good news. It's good to see that yeah. at any point we're all kind of, we're just people trying to make our way uh, in business. So um, what else do I want to ask you here? Um, how do you, how are you managing growth? You know, growth is, we're having some growth at Leeds near me. And as we move along, you know, the, as you know, what we said, what got us here won't get us there. We're changing all the time, trying to learn from things. And how do you manage that growth at Techmetric? Uh, so a couple of different ways, Ryan. Um, we are not okay ever with what we have today. We can't ever be comfortable and be complacent on uh, where we are today as a company because you don't know what tomorrow is going to land. So always making sure that people are aware of that, you know, we are always wanting to grow. We always wanting to strive for the best. We're always going to pivot. We're not going to be okay. We're always going to fix things. We're always going to modify. We're going to improve. We're going to have that, uh, uh, the Kaizen method of Lean Six Sigma or the continuous improvement process, as they call it. That's something that we always continue doing in the company with our feature set. So customers feel happy that they get heard. Um, there are a lot of large requests that we get that um, are very complex features. We want to take our time. And so uh, as we keep rolling out product and feature, although we may not be the first company to come out with something, we want to make sure that we always do what we're going to build the best way possible for our users. If that means the best performance, the best feature set, the, the approach that we take, we're not looking at band-aiding solutions and putting them together. Now, <clears throat> so I hope, was that a, a decent way of answering your question, Ryan? It was good. It's excellent. Yes, absolutely. Um, challenges, and, and it can be yep. your biggest challenge or challenges, you know, and as, as again, as personal or, or, you know, as business, whatever you're comfortable talking about, but let's look back to the road here. You know, we, we all have challenges. There's obstacles, mm -hmm. things to go over, things that happen. Um, you know, maybe one of your challenges, one or two of your challenges, how you got past them. Talk to me about some challenges you've faced and how you address them. Uh, I'll talk about the biggest challenge I have as a leader of the company. And that's ensuring that everybody um, in the company is seeing the same mission and vision that I'm seeing and ensuring that everybody's in line with doing something. Because what I don't want to do is make a decision in the company and then you have some naysayers that are like, why are we doing that? What's the point of doing that? Um, do we really need to do that? Like that's exactly the opposite of where I want to go. And so I think I spend most of my time ensuring that uh, the direction that I'm taking the company is also being followed by everybody below. We just finished our revenue summit here in Houston. We had about 50 employees here and it was just awesome to communicate with them, to speak to them, to let them know uh, what direction we're going as a company and getting everybody bought into that vision. You know, it's interesting. You don't, you don't necessarily have a big, 
you know, corporate America background. It doesn't look like in your background you've worked for major, major companies, but yet Techmetric has become one. I, I was with AT&T for a number of years, which, you know, was really corporate America. I'm able to instill some of those things in leads near me where we're at right now with you. You've you've learned all these things along the way. Am I right in that? I mean, did you work for a major corporation in the past? Because it sounds like you're really, you've become a pretty major corporation. You've kind of had to learn it on your own. Did that make any sense? You know what I'm saying? It did, Ryan. And so one thing that I always, um, I'm, I personally, myself, I'm not okay with is doing things the way I used to do in the past. And what I mean by that is I also get coaching by two different CEO groups. I also read at least two books a month. I also want critical feedback from my leadership team because ultimately if I don't get that feedback and as much as it sometimes hurts to hear that feedback, it makes me a better person and I have to be okay listening to that feedback. And so that's one of the things that I always look forward to. We just finished a 360 feedback. I haven't seen the feedback yet about me from my leadership team. But um, I look forward to it. And if there's something I'm not doing that I'm not aware of, I would love to hear that. And I want to make sure that I hit the mark on all the different areas because um, I'm not one to take feedback and say, oh, my God, I can't believe he or she said this about me. How can they say this about me? That's just the wrong thing to say. I'm actually like, thank you for that feedback. I need to work on that. And I appreciate you bringing it to me. I'm going to have what you just said transcribed and I'm going to put that up over here and I'm going to practice that script myself for a while. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so, so at that right now I'm improving. Um, I've looked at getting, I have some coaching as well too. I'm very new to it. Uh, It's so valuable and uh, I'm seeing very quickly how valuable it is. A number of our shops uh, have coaches and we see the value there. So, uh, very interesting to hear that that's something you're doing. Um, is it, are they groups that are public that other people can know about? Can you tell us some of the companies or is that, are you kind of, is it more of a private group you're part of? Uh, so, uh, Vistage is one of the biggest CEO coaching groups out there. Probably not great for single independent shop owners, but if there's like multiple MSO or multi-shop owners out there, uh, it's a great coaching group for them. Um, YPO is another group, but it's more, um, there, there's some mentorship and stuff opportunities available in there, but again, probably for larger MSOs, as far as single shop, uh, owners out there that want to be amazing shop owners, there are a lot of different coaching resources out there all over the U S. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of names out there that I, I'd be happy to uh, give you. Nice. So. Um, I want to talk about transitioning from working in the business to working on the business. Um, however, I think at the ra- last Ratchet and Wrench conference, I saw you at your booth chatting with people. So you clearly are a very humble servant leader that will take any role and responsibility and 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 you're still on the the front line in a number of cases. But you know your company, Techmetric, has gotten big enough now where, you know, you've gone from working in the business to working on the business. So um, talk about maybe some key hires, some steps that got you there. Am I right in that assessment that you're now working on the business more than working in the business? You're the CEO of the company. We have people in place. Would that be a fair assessment? Totally a fair assessment, Ryan. I think I paid my dues when I was running MotorWorks as a repair shop. That attitude of let me take care of it. I can do it quicker and faster than somebody else or teaching or telling somebody how to do it. 
and I had that attitude and like most shop owners, like they have that attitude where they want to continue doing those tasks. The ability to delegate effectively with clear direction is a very difficult thing to do. And uh, it's something that I've learned over years and I don't do a lot of the tasks in the company. I usually delegate a lot of the activities in the company. And if somebody doesn't do it right, it's okay. It's, it's a learning lesson. It's a learning moment for uh, that relationship and making sure that employee can in the future repeat that task without making that mistake. So I never ding anybody on making mistakes. In fact, I have told all my leadership team, it is okay to make mistakes. And that's something that I feel like a lot of leaders should say very vocally and clearly to their teams, because a lot of people are just so scared of making a mistake. And I want that to be the opposite in our company. I, I, I tell them, please make the mistake and pivot, move quickly, and let's move forward. No need to dwell on what happened in the past or how last quarter went. Let's figure out how moving forward we can improve on what we learned from that last quarter. What's some advice you might give to a, another business owner or a startup company? What I would say is, so I, I feel like um, the ability to delegate and remove yourself from a business comes with age to a certain degree uh, because you've had so many dings for the last 15, 20 years of not doing that. And once you actually get a taste of uh, giving that responsibility to somebody else and being able to remove yourself and still get the task done, that is huge. And until you, uh, what I would give the, the advice that I would give is, I would highly recommend all of the shop <clears throat> shop owners that are listening to this podcast, or any business leaders out there that are listening to this, try it out. It's okay. What's going to happen? It, let's just say you have something that you have to, to get done, a project that you have to uh, roll out, whatever it is. Give it to somebody in your company and see if they're capable of doing it. Make sure they have the framework to do it. Make sure they have enough information from you to execute on it, and make sure that you're available for them if they have any questions. But Try it out. See what happens. And um, one of the things that I recommend doing is, you know, we always talk about uh, all of the positive things that happened. I actually want my leadership team to tell me, give me a list, like, let's do a retrospect and tell me all of the negative things that happened and what we're going to do in the future to eventually not make sure they happen again. So that's one of the things that uh, new things that we've adopted. And I think shop owners should do the same thing. Don't let your employees be scared to make mistakes. Do you guys meet pretty frequently as a leadership team? Do you use any sort of management operating system like an EOS or things like that? Or is there anything you're employing there? We, we're not officially using an EOS system today. We're using bits and pieces of it. Uh, and we eventually hope to do something later this year with an EOS type of philosophy for a, a company operating system. Uh, but today we have bits and pieces of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I always drive home, um, you know, showing up to meetings on time or making sure that uh, the why, the share of the why, as Simon Sinek says, is shared with people before the meeting happens. Uh, and then uh, before the meeting ends, what are the takeaways? Who's responsible for what? I just don't like wasting time in meetings. We come up with no solutions, no ideas. All we did was spitball for about an hour, wasting time. And then when you start factoring in the salaries of all those employees involved in those meetings that have no takeaways, it starts adding up really quickly. So 
I always like making sure I've taken bits and pieces of it. And then at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the meeting, I'm sorry, um, at some of our leadership meetings, I like to review the meetings. So we use what we call the L10 philosophy on ranking that meeting. And then the other thing is, is that um, no matter what type of project I start or what initiative, like for instance, revenue operations is something new that we started in the company. Um, and the initial meetings were taking a lot longer. No, we're sticking to a 45 minute time slot, figure out how to fit that information in 45 minutes and let's go. Nice. Okay. Switching gears to the software a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what, and this is kind of a pretty broad question, but I'm just curious to know if there's some common questions, um, that get asked of you about, about your software on a regular basis, things that come up over and over again that we can answer right now and, and kind of get on the table. Are there things like that you find? Um, I think our teams do a phenomenal job on ensuring that customers have all of the questions answered. I think one of the questions that I can think of that actually just happened yesterday is like, where do you see the vision of our company in two to five years? Are you a profitable company? Uh, and so like, it's awesome to hear that, like I was dealing with a larger chain yesterday of stores and it's awesome to hear that they're asking those kind of questions and forward thinking, they want stability in the partner that they choose. So like, yeah, I love answering those kind of questions. And, and the answer just, just so you know, like, yeah, we're probably, I think the only profitable shop management system out there as far as cloud-based uh, players go. And the vision and mission, like, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are wondering like, am I going to check out or am I going to sell in like two or three years? No, I don't foresee a future right now today where I am going to leave the company unless I'm just a bad fit for the company, it's been decided like I'm not the right person to lead this company. I'm willing to take that feedback, have a discussion about it. But outside of that, like I, I love what I do every day. I love bringing new ideas to the company and the teams and ensuring that we have amazing product for repair shop owners. I ran a repair shop for 11 years and I know what the repair shop industry needs. So I, and, and the, uh, I'm gonna flip back a little bit. You, you said that you see me at trade shows and stuff. It's not that I have to be at the trade show. It's not that um, I'm in the weeds of the business. I actually love going to trade shows and talking to shop owners and meeting them and discussing how their businesses are operating. You know, I, I was a little surprised to see you there. I was kind of, I mean, I didn't think it any, anything other than, you know, this guy, he's connected to his company and he wants to be there. And you were just acting like any rep at the booth would act and, and, it was cool to see. Uh, inspiration. Uh, tell me a little bit about maybe a person or people that have inspired you along the way. Maybe not, and family, I know, is is a natural answer. And and I'm more curious about maybe some people outside of, of family to, that have inspired you along the way. Um, what I would say is this, Ryan. Like, There's a lot of people that possibly have written books that have inspired me, whether it's Daniel Pink or Simon Sinek. Uh, or Patrick Lencioni, like I love reading that kind of material and, and not just reading it and doing nothing about it, reading it and executing on the material you learn. Like that's a huge thing. A lot of people read a bunch of books, but then there's no takeaways. There's nothing you're going to do about what you just read. You have to put in play what you read in order for you to see those changes in the company and with your people. And so I always make sure that I always have some takeaways from every book I read and I always start to implement those changes in the company. Now, this is a question I ask anybody that's on the show 
we're a new show, but I've been we've done enough episodes now that I'm asking people at the end um, because I mean you're you have a product right, and your product is is you know your priority and your passion, and it's kind of like a little bit of a sales pitch right at the end. You know why should people choose TechMetric? Why TechMetric uh, over the competitors? Here's what I would say. <clears throat> at the end of the day, as far as like like if you check all the boxes with features and product and whatnot we're going to have most of the features somebody else is going to have most of the features like i think feature to feature comparison is not a great way to assess if you're going to move to a platform you obviously want to try and have as least of a friction uh experience as possible but are you picking the right partner with the right vision who knows the auto industry who has a proven track record who um, uh, understands the direction of the industry, who's connected to the industry, is what I would say. And so I, I, what I used to say, and I, I am still proud of saying this, is like you're, you're buying support and service first. The product is second. Because our support and service team is so amazing. Our onboarding team, they do such a phenomenal job in getting customers live. And it's tough. It's painful. You have those customers that are upset. It's like, and they're so used to doing things a certain way in their old system. How do you unwire their brain and make them learn a new way all while smiling while they're yelling on the other end and get them over that uh, chasm uh, and having them cross that and have this new experience that they can work with that is so phenomenal and they get to see the the, the huge difference it makes in their business. Nice. I couldn't let you go. And I'm just joking about this, by the way, but we have software we're developing here and we API into TechMetric. And I know my development team is constantly dealing with, I mean, if they knew that I had the CEO of the company on the line right now, they'd be like, hey, can you, can you get us? I have to joke about that. Can you get us access? You're talking to Sunil. Can you help me out with something? But, but no, we uh, will go through the proper channels, Sunil. I know I have you here right now, but we'll follow protocol, okay? But maybe offline, I'll, I'll ask. That. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, well, as soon as we're done, I'll be like, hey, Sunil, can you hook me up? But no. <laughs> I am joking. I'm a protocol guy. Your people are wonderful, by the way. They're very helpful. And, um, and thank you very much for that. So that's it. That's all I got today. I appreciate Great. your time, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate being on the uh, radio with you, Ryan, and hope to do this again with you. Absolutely. We'd love to have you again, Sunil Patel, founder and CEO of TechMetric. Thank you very much for being on Near Me Radio. Have a great day. Thank you. The tech shortage problem is not going to solve itself. That's why it will take organizations like APAC ATI to emerge with solutions that will bring relief for shop owners. APAC ATI is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans, the recovery community, formerly incarcerated persons, and those who need a second chance and a shot at their dream career as a skilled automotive technician. They offer no-cost training and a hand up for anyone willing to do the hard work it takes to learn to repair every vehicle the right way. APAC ATI, educating and empowering skilled labor and making a difference. Learn more about the program or sponsor a new student at APACATI.org. That's A-P-A-C-A-T-I dot org.